Well, I'm glad you're here today. How many of you, first of all, good morning, friends. Oh, my goodness. Are you still all asleep? You're like whispering like this. I bet you were louder in the car on the way here, weren't you? Yes. So let's try it again. Good morning. Thank you. So raise your hand if you have a pet at home. Lots of pets, not everybody, but a lot. Okay. Maybe you have something like this. Now, this is just for toys, right? This is my daughter's for her play, her pretend puppy. But maybe you have something like this, right? A, a kennel or a cage to keep your pet in it, right? Does your kennel or cage have something like this on it? What is this? A door, right? Or a gate, right? Now, why is this actually the most important part of this whole thing? Okay, it could it could escape, right? It could get out, get into trouble, get lost, right? I think there's another reason. It's probably not something that happens too often at your house. But what happens if I put my, my pet that I love in here and close this up? Not only can it not get out, but what can't get in? Anything that would try to hurt it, right? I mean, in our homes, hopefully there's no other animals or nothing trying to hurt it. But, but otherwise, like any kind of predator, right, that would try to get in and hurt my pet, I don't want that to happen. So this is actually the most important part, right? It's the door or the gate. Jesus just called himself the gate. He said, I am the gate for my sheep. Ooh. Do you know who Jesus' sheep are? Yeah, it's us, right? We're going to sing a song at the end that says, I am Jesus' little lamb. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. Sheep sometimes don't do very smart things, though. Like that, you got it. And sometimes sheep, they kind of wander off and get lost. And they don't always know when there's danger. And so it's a really good thing that Jesus says he's the gate for us, right? Because not only does he keep us safe and keep us in, but he keeps all the bad things out, right? Um, those who would try to hurt us and those who would try to especially to hurt, to hurt our, um, our souls with God. So this morning, I want you, our, our whole service is about how Jesus is our good shepherd and he's the gate who keeps us safe, okay? So I want you to think about that because we're going to pray about it as well. Will you fold your hands and pray after me? Ready? Dear Jesus, thank you for being the gate that keeps me safe. Help me always know that you love me and are protecting me. Amen. Thanks, guys. You were awesome this morning. Our sermon text for this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2. You'll find it on page 7 in your worship folders as well as up on the screen. If you'd like, you can also uh, take notes or fill in the blanks with some of our key takeaways or key points this morning there on page 8 in your worship folder. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd. Dear Christian friends, 
I want you to think back for a moment to high school physics class. Do you remember what the third law of motion is? It seems, it seems obscure, I know. We don't come to church to talk science, to talk physics. But there's a reason I'm asking. It's actually incredibly important because you, you live this law of motion constantly. It, it's the premise, it's the law that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And you know that this law is true because you've lived it, right? Walking, every time you take a step, you are, you are putting into, uh, into um, place, into effect, the third law of motion. If you're a golfer, oh, you really know the third law of motion, don't you? Right? Because when a golfer swings the club and hits the golf ball, if you strike it true, straight on, well, what's going to happen? The ball is going to fly straight, If not, that's where slices come from. The third law of motion is incredibly important because it's true. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And I'm going to suggest that there is a very similar law, if you will, when it comes to human interaction. That we tend to act and react to other people based on the way they act towards us. Now, the reaction may not always be equal, but we'll get to that in a moment. You know what this is like, right? If, if, you are, if you're needing some help and your neighbor shows up on the spot and helps you out, and then, and then not long later they, they come and ask you for help, well, you're a whole lot more likely to help them because you are returning the favor, so to speak, right? That's an important concept that we're going to dig into in just a moment. Before we do, I want to give a little bit of background of of what we're talking about today. This section from 1 Peter, because the whole letter was written to a group of Christians that were suffering, and suffering specifically because they were Christians for their faith. The words that we're looking at today were written from the Apostle Peter, from the the heart of God through the pen of Peter, to a group of Christians that Peter calls slaves. And these slaves were being treated unfairly, unjustly. Which, if you're thinking in terms of American historical slavery, that whole system was unjust and unfair, so it's not hard to grasp that concept. But really, it's helpful to understand, in the ancient Roman world, in Peter's day, slavery was not like American 1800 slavery. In ancient Rome, the ancient Roman world, slavery was actually more like, not exactly like, but more like employment. You were either free and own land, or you weren't. In many ways. And so there were people who would earn their freedom and they would choose to stay because it meant that they were guaranteed shelter and clothing and food. In some ways, it was more similar to, being, uh, to working for like a big company versus being self-employed. Not exactly, but somewhat. 
And the, the people Peter's talking to here, specifically these slaves, he says they were being treated unfairly. They were suffering specifically because of their faith. Now, if you were in a similar situation, how would you react? How would you respond? I I think I'd suggest that most of us would put that law of human interaction into practice. It's what we tend to do, right? If if you yell at me, I'm going to yell at you louder! Yeah, that's right. If you hit me, well, I'm going to hit you back twice as hard, right? If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Isn't that how we act? How we react? It's our first takeaway today, actually. It's the law of sinful human interaction says that every time someone causes me to suffer, well, I'm going to cause them to suffer more. Now, that reaction may not be immediate, right? Because you know how that is. Sometimes you let that wound fester. You let that grudge grow until just the right time when you can make it really hurt. You've seen that law applied to you in practice, haven't you? You know what that feels like. Where you do something, you say something, you hurt someone maybe not even intentionally, and boy, they, whoo, they respond. And not only have you had it happen to you, you've done it, haven't you? Because that's just what people do, right, Pastor? It is, sadly. But Peter wants to encourage a different response, a different reaction from Christians, even those who are suffering unfairly. Take a look at the first words of our text from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing good and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. Okay, pause right there. Who's excited about these words? No one, right? Why not? Because it feels, well, unfair. It feels weak. It feels passive. Like, I'm just supposed to sit here and take it? They are getting away with Something that is highly unjust, highly unfair. How could God ask his people to just sit there and endure suffering? Well, here's why. He continues, verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Instead of excusing our sinful reactions to hurt back when we've been hurt, Peter instead does something better, something simpler. Right? He points us to our good shepherd, our savior, Jesus. He reminds us that Jesus never sinned. Right? That's something that, that I think we're all aware of. We've all learned before. We know that truth, but have you ever thought about exactly what that meant for those 33 years of Jesus' life? It meant that he never said a nasty word to anyone. He never slandered them. He never, he never talked behind their back. It means that he never took advantage of someone. He never cheated anyone or cheated on anyone. He never schemed or plotted so that it would all work out better for him than for someone else. He had no reason to suffer. And yet, just think of how many people doubted him, even his closest friends, rejected him, mocked him, despised him, hated him, And then the suffering really grew in brutality in the last days of his life, right? But that was that whole time leading up to it was marked by rejection, doubts, hatred. And then the brutality began. Beating, whipping, driving the the thorns into his scalp, and finally the nails through his hands and feet on the cross. This was the pinnacle of unjust suffering. There is no greater injustice. And yet, through it all, Jesus never retaliated. Not once, not ever. He never spit back. He never threatened. He never laughed and said, ha, 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 I know what you're going to get. Never. He didn't even complain about being falsely accused, which he was. None of it. He didn't react. And so he broke the mold of that law of sinful human interaction because there was no sinful reaction. Now, why would he do that? It was for you, for me. He didn't hate or hurt back because he was suffering for all of the times that you and I have. He bore our sins in his body on the cross and he made the payment for every last time that we have snapped back, for every last time that that we've held on and held a grudge, For every last time that we've gotten even or simply plotted to do so. 
He made the full payment, taking away all of the guilt and shame for all of the times that we have, we have retaliated with our actions, with our words, or even just those that we've buried deep in our hearts. And he took them all and he gave his life so that on the last day, those things would not separate you from the holy God forever. So that you would never know this suffering. So that you instead get to know his undeserved gift, forgiveness, and life forever. That brings us to our second takeaway. It's that Jesus suffered unjustly for all of my sins. You see, in Jesus, we see how God uses even suffering, even unjust suffering for our ultimate good. So when we keep that in mind, that Jesus suffered this terrible thing that he deserved none of, and he did it all because of me, all because of you, when we understand that he did that so that we are free, wow. Doesn't that fill you with this incredible joy, this overflowing, living hope. And with that in our hearts and in our minds, Peter says this, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So you and I, we've been called, right, by the Holy Spirit to faith in Jesus to live in the the gift of forgiveness for a life of salvation, for an eternity of salvation. And we've been called to act and react like Jesus. Even when we suffer, and even when the suffering is totally unfair, Because Jesus destroyed that law of human sinful interaction. He broke the mold completely because he did not sinfully react so that we would be free. And he's called you and me as his sheep to follow his uh, to follow him, our good shepherd, in the way that we live. So what does this look like? Well, it's a life of imitation, right? And to help us understand what that looks like, Peter uses a word that we all can understand. Because it's the word that we all learned, it's the pattern we all learned when we were learning to write, right? You've all seen a a picture like this? You haven't just seen it, right? In kindergarten, you did it. You followed the arrows and you learned how to write an A. And then you traced it again, And again, and again, and not just one paper's worth, but like four or six, right? Over and over again. And the picture word that Peter uses is that whole idea of tracing over the letters and numbers to learn how to write them. He says, Jesus is your perfect example. Jesus is the perfect pattern to follow. He is the template that God wants you to trace your life over. 
Because he walked the path of perfection. And so now you and I, we strive, don't we? To, to walk that path, following our Savior's footsteps, to live a life that God calls right. And we do it not out of compulsion or out of guilt, but because we are free. Free from the fear and punishment and power of sin. Because Jesus conquered it and took it all away so that we are free to live for him. Now a part of this life that Peter is talking about specifically here, a part of following Jesus is to do so, to live like him when you are suffering. In how you react, which I think is a whole lot harder, isn't it? It's not just like biting off those words that are going to hurt before they come out. No, this is, this is change. Not just of actions, but a change in attitude, a change in heart. So that what flows out of it in that moment doesn't bite back, doesn't hurt back, doesn't, doesn't hit back. How possible does that sound? That sounds pretty difficult, doesn't it? Right? To, to not just control my actions, but to rein in my reaction when I'm suffering, when I'm hurting, when it's not fair. That's just, how can Jesus even say to do something like that? Well, if you're looking for the power within you, if you're just trying to harness your own willpower, if you're just trying to, to uh, have such a tight rein on your emotions, you're right. It's not possible. You'll fail and fail and fail and fail. No, the power doesn't come from within. The power comes from him. The power comes from the one who has done it all who did exactly that, who, Jesus, right, who lived a perfect life and who gave that life to free us, to conquer sin, to break the sinful cycle of the way we respond. That brings us our, to our last takeaway. It's to learn this lesson, that God uses even terrible things like unjust suffering for my ultimate good. And he promises he will judge justly. See, that, that last point is something that I think helps us remember because some of, the, some of the problem is we think that somebody else is getting away with it and if I don't punish them, if I don't teach them a lesson, they'll never learn. But what did Peter say? When Jesus suffered and suffered and suffered, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Do you think that your greatest revenge, your, your most painful retaliation is, is even a drop in the bucket, even a drop in the ocean of God's wrath? Not even close. Because that's the suffering that all who, who reject God, all who persecute God's people and do not turn to him in faith for forgiveness, that's what they will face. 
You and I, we don't, need to, we don't need to worry about doling out punishment. God's got that under control. No, instead, Peter says, we just entrust ourselves to our good shepherd, to our Savior Jesus, the overseer and shepherd of our souls. So what does imitating Jesus look like? Well, when someone maybe specifically a Christian, maybe even someone here, wounds you, hurts you, does, does or says something that is unloving. Maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe it was just the wrong word, the wrong thing, and boy, that, that hit home. What's our normal tendency? To bite back? or to go around behind their back and and tell others about it? Or or to bury it and let let it just stew so that the last person in the world we ever want to see again is that person, which means that hmm, maybe we don't come to church or we don't want them to come. Instead, what if you simply followed what Jesus tells us to do? And to pull them aside personally and to explain to them how they hurt you. To lead them, God willing, to to repent and be able to give them the gift that Jesus gives you, the gift of forgiveness. Or maybe it's a, a friend or a spouse who picks at something that is so small that you can't imagine why is this the thing that we're even talking about. This doesn't seem like it's even a problem. Yeah, okay, I did that. I do that. Big deal. And and what's the normal response? Oh yeah? You found one of my tiny little flaws? Well, here's two of yours that aren't so tiny. We throw it back in their face. But what if instead of of that we broke the cycle what if instead we we treated them we loved them the way god loves us with patience and grace you know that undeserved love and we loved them patiently towards a, a solution and a resolution instead of escalating the conflict because when it comes to the world around us, Newton's third law of motion, it's always going to apply. Every time you stick, take a step, third law of motion. It's always true. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. But that law of human interaction, of sinful human interaction, doesn't have to be true. Because Jesus broke the cycle. His suffering for us gives us a living hope. A living hope that we are free. Not from suffering. Because God still uses that for our ultimate good. And he tells us we will face it. No, not from suffering, but we're free from the fear of punishment. From the power of sin. We're free from from having no choice but to snap and hurt back. We're free now to live and to love the way our Savior lives for and loves us. 
to follow in his footsteps, to imitate and trace over the pattern of his life so that we might live a life that God says is good because it's done in faith of our Savior Jesus. That's the life God looks for. That's the life God calls us to. That's the life as Jesus' little lambs, by God's grace, we live. Amen. Please stand.